Open our hearts and our minds, O Lord, that we may hear your word, believe your truth, and fashion our lives in accordance with your will, and all for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, first of all, can I say it's a real pleasure to be here, and I'm very grateful to John for the opportunity. Uh, I'm not quite sure if it's part of my farewell tour, uh, but it is lovely to be able to share with you in a church which has been such an important part of my uh, Christian journey uh, through the years. I ought to confess that um, after being in the Pathfinders, uh, I did transfer to Emmanuel Church, uh, to the youth club there, uh, which at that time I thought was a little bit more lively. And I'm very grateful I did, not least for the reason that I met my lovely wife Felicity there, and we were married there in 1977. So that bit of um, Episcopal thing about wandering around different churches was perhaps there right at the start. Uh, but the whole parish has been a very important part of my life. So it's lovely to have the opportunity to be here and share uh, with you today. There's a little phrase that's come to mean a lot to me over the years, which occurs in a thing called the Declaration of Assent, which is what uh, those who are ordained have to make before they're ordained, where they declare their assent to the Christian faith uh, as it's been received and understood in the Church of England. Uh, and in that, in the preface to that, there's a little phrase which says this, it reminds the person being ordained about the importance of proclaiming the gospel afresh in each generation. Proclaiming the gospel afresh in each generation. And that phrase has meant a lot to me for two, some very good reasons, I think. First of all, it has the tension, the creative tension, if you like, between the givenness of the gospel. We can't just go making up the Christian faith in our own image. We have our scriptures, we have our creeds, we have what God has revealed to us in Christ about who God is, about God's love for our world. And that is part of the glory of the gospel. And it's that that we're called to proclaim that, if you like, unchanging gospel into the rapidly changing, very often, world in which we live, each generation. And we have to work out how to do it uh, in different contexts, in different cultures, in different times, and in different places. And the changes that have taken place in this church and parish, certainly over the years since I was first involved, uh, are illustrative of that. But also it reminds us that as well as those ordained, and you've got this wonderful theme of the gifts of God for everyone, it reminds us that every person in God's church is called to be part of that proclaiming of the gospel in our time to use the gifts that each one of us have been given uh, to do that. And it's really important that we have a strong sense of that. Those gifts, as we heard in that reading from Romans 12, can be very different. We will do it in different ways, but that's what we're doing. Trying to seek to live and to proclaim the good news of God's love into our world and our context today. Proclaiming the gospel afresh in each generation. Today's world, as we know, is a very complex one. We know we live in a world of many different uh, religious faiths. 
We also live in a world which is deeply secularized. Many people, many of our contemporaries have relatively little time for ideas of God. Some are indifferent, some actively disbelieve and think it's a lot of nonsense to talk of such things. We live in a world which has been profoundly shaped by science and that understanding of the world in which we live. We are aware of the vastness of the cosmos, of our part in the web of life, and of the power of science both to do wonderfully good things like the vaccines, but also sometimes very destructive things like the weapons of war and all that that can produce. But science has shaped all of our lives in different ways. And of course, in recent years, we've been, in the last two years, we've been profoundly affected and our lives have been turned upside down in many ways by the pandemic. And we've heard a number of folk here with COVID and we're still very much in the grips of that. And it's changed our lives in all kinds of different ways. But perhaps one of the things the pandemic has done for us is to make us think about what really matters in our lives. Have we, as we've been deprived of being able to relate to each other in usual ways in the more severe lockdowns, we realize the value of relationships and community. Uh, as we have time to walk and get outside, we realize the importance of our part in all God's creation. And we gave thanks a little earlier for the wonder of the sunshine and the trees which are so sustaining for us. There's been quite a lot of talk about building back better, which shows something of the deep human desire for a better world. We know that there is much that is profoundly wrong with our world. And there's been a lot of talk about the importance of economic justice in a world of so much inequality, of racial justice in a world of so much discrimination, and of environmental justice in a world where we treat our environment so badly very often. And that's all come out of, I think, a heightened awareness through the pandemic. And who knows, in terms of, if you like, the spiritual landscape of our country, what that's done to the, all the many, many people who are not connected with churches. I like to think it's also made people think about the deep things of life and the things that really matter. We also know that there is a profound issue about our relationship with the climate. And if we get that wrong, we could be facing problems across our globe, which are many orders of magnitude bigger than those of the pandemic. And it's really important that we do all we can to live well in relationship with the climate. And if that wasn't enough, we've had in recent uh, days and weeks, the terrible conflict in Ukraine and all the huge suffering which we have seen in, on our television screens of the people there and countless people uh, fleeing for their lives and refugee flows and the destruction that humankind can bring uh, when we get things wrong. And that's been a reminder to us as we were reflected in the prayers of other conflicts which we know happen around the world. And as we remember those Ukrainian refugees and that conflict, we also need to have our eyes on the other conflicts that have gone on for so long. Many refugees here in London still as part of those conflicts as well. 
So all of that is part of our generation. And that's without thinking about our own individual journeys of life. Because each one of us will have all sorts of things happening as we journey through life and things change. So arguably, in many ways, we've gone through a generational shift in the space of a couple of years. The world has changed before us, and it's changing again with this current conflict as well as the impact of the pandemic. And we have to proclaim the gospel, the good news of God's love, into that world. So it's very important that we explore deeply the meaning of the Christian gospel. And one of the words in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12 is the word, therefore. Uh, in the translation which I'm using, which uh, I understand I'm using the Pathfinder Bible I was given, so that's the Revised Standard Version. It says, I appeal to you, therefore. And the word, therefore, is because this chapter is a little hinge, if you like. The book of Romans was written by Paul relatively late in his life, and it was his attempt, really, to summarize his understanding of the Christian gospel, the good news of God's love in Christ. And he spends 11 quite dense chapters, for those of you who are familiar with the letter to the Romans, unpicking all of that and saying why it is that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, people had come to believe in a society which was strongly monotheistic, there is one God. They'd come to believe that in the human Jesus, God was in their midst and God's love was being revealed in the life, the teaching, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And he'd spent 11 chapters uh, doing uh, all of that. And then in the rest of the, the book, in some ways, he talks about the consequences of that. When we come to follow God's love in Christ in that way, there therefore some things about how we are to live. And it's really important, I think, in the age in which we live, that we explore and deepen our Christian faith in the light of the many challenges to it. One of the things I do quite a lot of is the interaction between science and religion. Uh, there are many people who have imbibed a conflict narrative between those two uh, ways of thinking. And right from my early days, as I said a little bit when John was interviewing me, uh, as I was doing more and more maths and science uh, in my school and A-levels, I was very interested in how my Christian faith interacted uh, with that understanding of the world which science brings. And one of the things I shall continue doing into, I don't really like the word retirement, I, I call it the next stage of life and vocation. Uh, and one of the things I will be doing in that is a lot more of the work I've, I already helped to lead a big national project called Equipping Christian Leadership in an Age of Science, which is partly based in uh, Durham and York Universities and down here in London. Uh, and I'll also be part of a thing called the Anglican Communion Science Commission, uh, which will be uh, looking at some of those issues around the world. And of course, that particular debate has been turbocharged partly by the pandemic, uh, partly by the environmental issues. But it's really important in our understanding of how God is at work in our world that we explore deeply uh, our Christian faith and our understanding of the gospel. 
Uh, the new atheists, who have been uh, very prominent in recent years, uh, have challenged in many ways uh, ideas about belief in God. And there's certainly quite a lot of research to show that young people uh, have imbibed, uh, without it being deliberately taught, uh, a conflict narrative between science and religion. So there's a lot to do to understand the gospel. So all, all that we do when we explore, when we read our scriptures, understand our gospel, it is very important that we do that. Because Christian faith tells us that behind this vast universe, with all its wonder, with all its complexity, with all its hope and glory, with all its terrible suffering, there is a God whose nature is love. And it's that love which can transform everything. It's the deepest reality. It flows from the heart of God. And it's that love in which we put our trust and faith. When we're dealing with the hardest things, these awful conflicts that are going on in the world, it's that love of God which brings hope and inspiration. Think back in the pandemic, the example of those who give of themselves to help those in need is what is truly inspirational. And that reflects the very heart of God in our gospel. So it matters that we uh, explore and understand the gospel. But then that verse goes on. It says, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And part of what we're doing, I think, when we come for worship is we are bringing all of our lives, our world, all our hopes, all our fears, all our worries, all our concerns, we bring those into God's presence together. We hear the scriptures, we receive the sacraments, and we are seeking to be shaped by that love of God as we live our world, shaped a little bit more by that love of God as we go out into the world. And it's very important that we do that. We're in the season of Lent. It's a time for reflection, for repentance, that's reorientation, for renewal of life, as God's love shapes us more and more in all that we do. One of the places uh, I go on retreat sometimes, uh, although it's sadly closed now, um, is a retreat house down in, in, in Sussex called uh, St. Cuthman's. And in the chapel at St. Cuthman's, which is quite small, the whole of the east window, you, you can't see it here, but uh, the whole of, there is a window behind here, uh, the whole of the east window is actually plain glass, so you can look out of it into the world. And uh, above uh, the, the table, there is uh, an open, uh, a, a cross which you can look through into uh, the world outside. And I've always seen that as quite a powerful image of what we do in worship. We're trying to see the world through the lens of God's love in Christ. And that's how we want to see all the events that are going on, from the most awful to the most wonderful, and allow that love to shape us. So it matters. We do indeed have a gospel to proclaim into our generation. But it's important how we do that in our generation. And we have to think hard about what it means to be church and how to live. And I think one of the things that is quite powerful at the moment about the way in which we understand our Christian gospel is 
that not only do we need to think about what we believe, we need to think about how we live it out in our world, both in terms of our care for our neighbors, but also in our concern for the big questions of justice in our world, also in our concern for our God-given environment in our world. We need our gospel to be both in word and action. And we need a big understanding of the gospel. There are many, many passages in the Bible. For example, at the beginning of the letter to the Colossians or the beginning of the letter uh, to the Ephesians, which talk about the reconciliation of all things in Christ. God's love is not just for humankind. It talks about the renewal of all creation. And that big understanding of the gospel is, I believe, a very important thing to have. It's thoroughly biblical, uh, but I think it particularly speaks to the age in which we live. The Bible translator J.B. Phillips, uh, when he was translating the Bible, wrote a little book called Your God is Too Small. And it came out of his realization, as he translated the Bible, he was finding his understanding of God was just growing and growing and growing as he got more uh, to grips with the scriptures. One of the talks I've given quite a few versions of uh, over the years is called Your Gospel is Too Small. And part of the stimulus for that is this understanding of the cosmic vision of the gospel and that it embraces all of our God-given world. And I think the thing which is going to really engage this generation in which we live is, uh, the best way I can find to explain it is, churches which thoroughly combine all the five Anglican marks of mission. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with those, uh, they've been around for quite a while in the Anglican communion around the world. They form the basis of a lot of the vision thinking of the Anglican Communion, also of our Church of England more generally, and also of our diocese. And they include the importance of people coming to faith and deepening that faith. That's extremely important, that evangelism. But also it's talk, they talk of living it out, of loving service to those in need, and of care for God's good creation. And I think when people see and understand churches and church communities which are doing all those things, which really care about our God-given environment, which really work for big questions of justice, the food banks, the individual care, uh, the care of the environment, all those things, they will begin to think there's something in this Christian gospel, this way of love, which they see in these people. And they will want to understand more of the God whom we worship. So our churches need to live that kind of way, and it's really important that we do that. But it's really important also, and this comes to your theme of gifts for this weekend, that you play your part in all of that. Because if you come to verse 4, we have the image of the body and how we're all members of it, all different parts, all different gifts. And we all have to work together using our God-given gifts if the ministry and mission of the church is genuinely to flourish. One of the things in Pathfinders that we used to do uh, 
it wasn't in the hall. We used to meet in the hall over there, but there was a rather decrepit uh, shed-like hall behind it. For those of you who were around, it was green, if I remember. And on a Friday night, we used to go in there and play football. Uh, and you can imagine a bunch of 12-year-olds playing football, and it, it was quite rough, <laughs> but it was fun. And the importance, as you quickly learn in any sport, team sport, is how important it is that you work together and that you value uh, the people on your team. I've played quite a lot of hockey as well, and lots, lots of sport in my life. Uh, and that's, that teamwork is really important. Uh, you, you don't want people just doing solo things. And it's really important that we work together as a church. But not only that we use, each person uses their individual gifts, it matters as well profoundly how you do it. And verses 9 to 21 in this wonderful chapter of Romans chapter 12 talk about not only do we need to use our gifts, but we need to use them in love. Let love be genuine. Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. You can have the most wonderful gifts, but if you don't use them in a loving way and a joyful and hopeful way, we won't get very far. It's a bit like, if you like, uh, making sure you play fair in football and play well with a good spirit. Um, and that is really important that we use our gospel, that, that we play our part in all of that. And I hope and pray that each one of you uh, as this journey, as this church journeys on, will use the gifts that God has given to you uh, for the proclaiming of the gospel afresh in each generation. And then lastly, um, I want to come to a verse um, which is there in verse, um, 30, verse 30, 13, I think, um, where we are, it speaks about not thinking too highly of ourselves. Sorry, in verse 3. Think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which is God, and not to think too highly of ourselves. It sounds a bit severe in some ways about not valuing, but I think what it means is having a proper sense of humility. And humility isn't that sort of cringing uh, attitude. It's a sense of our humanity and our frailty and our place in God's creation. And the really important thing about that is having a strong sense that what really matters is what God is doing in this place the primacy of God's action. If we're not careful in churches, we become little activists and we think it's all down to my efforts and my action and what I do. And if we've got 27 action points to do before breakfast uh, and we achieve some of them, we think we've done well. Now, they're not unimportant, those things, but they're not ultimate. What is ultimate is what God is doing. And so one of my favorite verses is from 1 Corinthians where Paul says, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gives the growth. And I think if we are truly to proclaim the gospel afresh in our generation, we need that profound sense. It's about what God is doing in our midst, and we are called to use our gifts in God's strength. So I hope and pray that as you journey on, and as you reflect on the journey of life and faith and mission and ministry in this parish, that you will use all your God-given gifts together in love and faith and hope 
as you seek in this age to proclaim the good news of God's love into our generation and this community. In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.